When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Last show before vacation. (laughs) Uh, How's packing going on your end? uh here and there it's kind of more of like cleaning up the apartment first oh right yeah because you're moving because right actually i'm kind of going to do some clothes shopping leading up to the trip like on friday oh yeah all right so that's going to be kind of the majority of what i'm going to pack i so. have packed nothing and we leave tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> uh, how's it going folks this is uh bleacher creatures episode what what, what number are we at 134 uh, brought to you as always by Elite Sports New York, part of Crossing Broad, Excel Media, Warwick Gaming, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. Um, the Emerald Isle awaits you, my friend. Oh, yes. The land of my ancestors where Guinness will flow. <laughs> nice. Whiskey will make us less steady. Oh, man. Yeah. All or right. Just, You're I, going to Ireland. I'm going to friggin' Southern Vermont. <laughs> they're the same right right uh yeah what well, yeah one just has considerably more crystal meth than the other <laughs> <laughs> i shouldn't diss that my family lives in southern vermont or my in-laws do <laughs> uh but anyway um we are here once again to talk some yankees uh alec it was uh i don't want to say another week in paradise but anytime you split a series with the astros that that's got to count for something right yeah it's kind of funny how quickly um like how our attitudes on that series change with that final walk-off win because I think a lot of us were kind of getting not like panicky but it's just like annoyed because it's the Astros they've had our number for the last few years um not, but, not to mention it's just sort of like a general wake-up call like hey this is what good teams look like yeah yeah and like and some I think it was Ben Verlander on Twitter God, he's insufferable sometimes. <laughs> but he he like he posted a video of him saying like in an interview, it's like the the Astros are the team to beat in the American League. And I think that I don't know if this was before the season started or recently, but it's true. The Astros are the team to beat in the American League because they're like the team. You know, they they were in the World Series against the Braves. They've consistently consistently made it deep in the playoffs. I'm confident in the Yankees. I love where the record is. I love how they just find ways to come back and win. But yeah, it was it was a test for sure, more so than anything against the Rays and and then you know eventually the Red Sox. It's like the Astros are the team where you're gonna really measure your will. And I thought they did a pretty good job. I thought they, you know, had a very they kept a very potent offense, pretty limited all throughout. And then even when they didn't, those like you know when. The Astros seemed to score more than three or four runs. You know, that was when the Yankees were scoring as well. So, 
It was interesting because, uh, I mean, you saw all four games of the series. Like, the the Astros very much seemed to be taking the same approach the Yankees did for the last two seasons coming into this one, except achieving better results. Like, they're, they're a three true outcomes team, but they're taking those walks. They're waiting for that one pitch they know they can drive. They're not swinging willy-nilly. They're not, they're not trying to win like the pitch count and try to put and try to score a bunch in the hurry no they are taking their time calm cool collected and also like this the whole series showed independent of the cheating even before the the 2017 run the astros under jim crane have always developed pitchers well case in point getting no hit by christian javier yeah yeah i mean um and javier has had a really great season up to this point he was really effective last year him and was is it Urquidy were key parts to the yeah. world series run last year um yeah i mean we knew verlander was going to be tough and that was just vintage verlander and i thought uh i thought severino pretty much matched him pitch for pitch it's just that kyle tucker home run was yeah the, insane like that yeah. swing he put on was and like, I don't even think you can be mad at that. Like, tip of the cap to him. Yeah, I mean, I, I was at that game of Verlander versus Seve, and much like you said, you tip the cap to Kyle Tucker because, surprise, surprise, what did we talk about um, a couple shows ago? The walks will kill you. Yeah. Severino yeah. lost the zone. He got a couple guys on, and Kyle Tucker's like, great, I'm going to wait for you to hang a meatball right in the middle of the plate and take you to the second deck for three runs. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you kind of knew what you were going to get. It's the no hit sucks, but like also I think I was the least bothered by that than probably you would have expected because like I was just like, wow, that sucks. Okay, moving on. I mean, like, like I, I watched I watched every game, every uh, frame of that uh, of that no hitter and Carlos Beltran, as bad as he is in the yes booth, he made the great point just from a hitting standpoint. They can't they weren't able to time his fastball. I, I think I read on uh, baseball savant stack has whatever you want to call it his fastball spin i think entering that game was 82nd percentile and they just couldn't he was spinning it well they were just late on it they they couldn't yeah. catch up to the fastball yeah yeah i mean again a lot of a lot of instances in that series where you just kind of tip the cap to the opponent like that's a team who knows how to win who knows how to play well yeah uh, which also kind of leads me into this next point can we all stop fucking booing jose altuve can yeah, we stop that's that crap? Because guess what? He's our daddy. He owns the Yankees. And you know what he's going to do? He is going to step up in the moment and he's going to relish in the booze because he's going to punish whatever yeah. pitch is coming. Like like the, the leadoff home run he hit, uh, the Yankee fans cheering when he got plunked in the, was it game one? Uh, I, I missed most of the game one because I, I was watching Nick Kroll perform. But but yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was really good actually. Oh, I imagine so. Hey, Big yeah. Mouth is one of my favorite series. Yeah. Um, but like you know, there yeah, there was the game where he got plunked to start off the game. I think against Tyone, and fans are cheering, and he ends up going like two for two or three for three in that game. Um, you know, do I have to remind everyone what happened in the ALCS? I mean, the the dude, all the Chapman happened but continue. yeah yeah but I mean but like who who's in the middle of it it's Altuve like just we need to move on from the events of 2017 like it sucks I get it it's a black mark on baseball but like honestly now who cares yeah it's, it's over I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that in the immediate aftermath of the cheating coming out in public 
in 2020, no one got to go to games that year and actually boo the Astros proper. So I think there's still a bunch of pent up energy for that. But you're absolutely right. Jose Altuve owns the Yankees, much like David Ortiz did back in the day with the Red Sox. And guess what? You, you, you can't shift him because he uses the whole field. Just pitch away from the guy. Don't yeah. tie him up inside. Like there's a way to beat him. And don't boo him because, like you said, those are probably fueling him. Give him radio silence. Make like maybe that'll throw off his timing a bit. And yeah. not only that, we someone lo- went back and looked at all the John Boy footage, all the MLB footage from that season. Jose Altuve barely used the trash can as it is. He was a good hitter, independent of the trash can, for a very long time. So, is he guilty by association? Yeah, probably. Is he kind of a jerk in real life? I don't doubt that for a second. But the booing him the way we have been, and this is across all baseball, not exclusive to New York. You're absolutely right, Alec. Let's give it a rest. Yeah, well, I, I think it was tweeted today uh, in the, the Mets-Astros um, game. It's a 0-0 game, and he got plunked, and Mets fans were cheering. And it's just like, yeah, like, guys, let's just move on. Like, they there, like there I, are better I, villains I, to have in baseball. There are better villains to have in baseball. You're you're fueling the trolls also on the Houston side because you know they're just gonna rub in the fact that they won the World Series and they don't care if there's gonna be an asterisk or everyone's gonna be like, Yeah, they won, but they also cheated. Like, you know, the whole like us versus the world thing. I think there was like that little uh Twitter back and forth between the Yankees and Astros. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it's like it's like you, you keep kind of giving the Astros this idea of an underdog when they're not. And it's, that's just, that's more annoying. It's like, just shut up and go beat them. Like that, that's all that matters now. Yeah. Like, and okay. We're, not only that in against the Yankees, it seems like for those two games, they just caught or, and all four games rather, because the Yankees played from behind the whole time. They caught the Yankees with their pants down. I, I, maybe the Yankees thought, Oh, they play in an easy division this year. Their, their good record is a mirage. No, it's not. The Astros, like I just said, they've always been good at developing pitching. The fact that Jose Urquidy, who is supposed to be the worst guy on the staff, no hit us for six innings. Six innings from Jose Urquidy the day after Christian Javier and uh, whoever the the two other pitchers were. Ryan Presley was one of them through the no hitter. I was at the Yankees Astros no hitter the last time the Astros no hit the Yankees. (laughs) It happens sometimes. Yeah. But... If there's, and I think you'll agree with me on this, Alec, if there's one thing about this Yankees team, because they're actually going to Houston tomorrow, to, we're recording this Wednesday night, so tomorrow night they're going to be in Houston for just one game, something tells me they're going to be looking at a lot of tape from the last four games saying, okay, here are the mistakes we're making with the swings, let's try to work on pitch recognition, they, ha- they bounce back from the series with a glorious clean sweep of the A's. Oh, yeah. So... I- like, so I, you can see that there, I don't want to say cracks in the armor, but I, you know, we're, we're nearing July. Yeah. Play's getting a little sloppy. Pitchers are missing their marks a little bit more. Um, Tyone has abandoned his sinker. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that, that first inning was a little bit troubling, but then it's like, you look back, it's like, Hey, he still went five innings and that was it. Like well, he worked uh, in and out uh, of trouble, but also like today, I think you could, you could place a, a large amount of blame on Clint Bondrack, the umpire. He had a bad, bad game. Yeah. You know, there, there's like a, there's a crisis going on when it comes to umpiring at all levels, like at the younger amateur levels, no one wants to do it because baseball parents are insane. So yeah. you, you got these, you got these kids or these older adults who are getting paid you know pennies and you know they're getting harassed for absolutely no reason for 
little Luke's, you know, 13 U <laughs> rec game. Uh, like, give me a break. But to see it at the major league level, uh, we were talking about this a little earlier today, just how it seems like all the new up and comer guys are struggling with the speed at the major league level. And, you know, it just goes to show how important like umpires watching tape of themselves is like, like, like we all know guys like John Thumpain and Manny Gonzalez are like hawks when it comes to video, like they're clearly trying to better themselves. So yeah, when they, when they have a bad game, okay, it's frustrating, but you at least know in the back of your mind that they're watching that video footage. They're putting yeah. in that work. And, but then you have guys like Clint Bondrack, like Jeremy Rehack, We'll throw Stu, uh, Stu Sherwater in there just for fun. Yeah. We'll go, they're like Aaron Hicks and May, going up, to the, going up, taking the home plate job and not having a plan. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. all right, yeah, we're going to here's – the, here's the kind of pitcher this guy is. Here's what I got to be careful to watch for. And so they're like, okay, game starting. Here we go. Yeah, it, I think Michael Kay said it on the broadcast today too. Like they didn't have enough uh, data to determine whether he was pitcher friendly or hitter friendly or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, like I, I think the, sometimes the umpires think the same way. It's like I don't have enough reps here to I don't know what my zone is. And but like, and and I thought we saw that today. We saw some pitches that were in the box that weren't called strikes. We saw some pitches that were out of the box not called strikes. And it just seemed like. Like all the borderline pitches, there was no consistency. And it's like, yeah. I I did notice um, as the game went on, he got a lot more consistent about calling that inside strike on Tyone and 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 um, all of Oakland's pitchers and the Yankees mm-hmm. for that matter. But you gotta you gotta figure Matt Blake, who continues to do a phenomenal job with his staff, he's gonna say, okay, we got a ten game road trip coming up. Not all the games are cakewalks. Like here's how the pitching has to be better. Now now. Nestor Ford says he's probably just tired, right? Yeah. Um, look, yeah. it's a long season. You're going to yeah. run into a few rough starts. Again, I talked about the Musina quote from last time. There's going to be 10 starts when you have everything. There's going to be 10 starts when you have nothing. And there's going to be 10 starts when you're just going to have to, like, figure it out, find what's working, what's not working. I, I think I think uh, Jack Flaherty was, uh, had that one story. I forget what game it was, but he was like, it was the same day he told that quote about Musina, and it was like after the first inning, Musina comes up to him and goes, "Flash, I'm throwing a splitter tonight," and Flash is like, "Mike, you don't have a splitter." He's like, "Well, tonight I do, and I'm throwing it." <laughs> so it's just, but like you know, that kind of like goes into like that idea. It's like you just got to make it work, and I think we're just in like for both Tyone and Cortez, um, you know, they're just kind of in a spot where maybe fatigue is key kicking in a little bit where they're going to have to find that second wind. And hopefully that comes after the all-star break. Um, But I saw someone on Twitter say this, it's like how the Yankees should be in for another arm for that rotation. And I disagreed because you have so many who can make that spot start. Like we saw JP Sears do it the other night. We have Clark Schmidt, you have Michael King, you have Herman coming back. Um, you haven't, and you got a number of guys down in AAA who could always make that, you know, that extra start. So, um, I'm not like Cortez. I look, we don't need him to be a 1.78 ERA no, kind of don't. pitcher. It's like, you know, his it, career high in innings on the major league level is 93 set last year. He's at 79 now, and he's got, he's got, he still has a sub one whip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope you can't hear that car alarm out there. Oh, man, um, you, you got good thing you're moving, man. Neighborhood's getting yeah. rough. Anyway, uh, but yeah. but yeah, like not not to mention earlier, like I think I said this in my in my uh, Yankees Ace takeaways that I wrote earlier this afternoon. 
it's end of June. This is the time of year when those initial reports come in. Like we, we've all seen this movie before. Someone has really strong April, really strong May. They're looking good till about mid-June. And then all of a sudden it seems like they hit a wall because surprise, surprise, there's reports out from the scouts saying, hey, here are the cracks in the wall right here that you got to take advantage of. Yeah, yeah. And, and with and with every Yankees pitcher, you could say this. You could say the same thing, and particularly with Montgomery and and uh, Cortez, for that matter. It's they're all saying to them, "Hey, bite early on the cutter." Yeah, yeah, and 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 especially when you get for guys like Montgomery and Cortez, when you got lefties who are going to rely on that inside cutter to righties. If you miss that spot, like it's going to get damaged. If you don't get it in enough, like you know, it, you're going to get hurt with it. So. I mean, um, how, how, I mean, how many times do we see Andy Pettit have really good years, but consistently have an ERA and like the kind of range between the mid threes to the mid fours, just because that cutter was so inconsistent. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Him, Sabathia, when Sabathia was trying to figure it out. And um, if, you, if you can't grip the cutter, God help you. Yeah. 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 So that, that, that's a recipe for hard contact, right? Yeah. There. there, I'm like, there are times when you feel like you have a good grip on it and you're going to throw through it correctly, but all of a sudden it just doesn't move. It just spins. And it's like, uh Oh, that's just a straight fastball. Meatballs for dinner. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, let, let's uh, shift the conversation, though, because speaking of pitching, because let's look, take a look at who the Yankees have coming up for the for the road trip. Uh, tomorrow, one game in Houston, Luis Severino versus Luis Garcia. I got to figure, yeah, it's home field advantage for Houston, but they just had a really intense series with the Yankees, and they kind of made mince meat out of the shorthanded Mets. Severino we've seen him have really good games at Minute Maid Park, particularly that one shutout that stands out. You got to figure, I don't want to say advantage Yankees, but I got to figure fresh off the sweep, they've got to have the slightest of edges coming into this game. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they're going to roll in with a little bit more confident. Their big bats did big things today. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you got Sevy on the bump and and – yeah, I, I would be confident going in. I mean, you took two out of four at home. You got this weird – why Why do they have this one game? Uh, it's part of, um, like, the, the games that were postponed early in the season and why the season started late. Because, I think, um, yeah, I think they said on the broadcast, the Yankees were supposed to start the season in Arlington, then go to Houston, and then this is just a means of filling in various makeup games just so everyone gets the full 162. Gotcha. Yeah, so, I mean – Go in there, jump in, beat them, jump out. Like, yeah, and that's then, all it is. And then from there, three in Cleveland against the Guardians. You got the 4th of July off, Pittsburgh for two games, and then you close out the road trip with four at Fenway. So you got, so you, you can make the argument that I don't want to lump Houston in this just because Houston's a really good team, but you got to figure Cleveland and Pittsburgh, those are tune-up series headed into Fenway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... And Ooh, yeah, that, that can that can be a really good end to the first half of the season if they can go into Boston and smack them around a bit. I mean, there's still there's still a handful of games at home after the fact because after the Boston series, there's three against the Reds at home. Then Boston comes to the Bronx for three games. Okay. But um, <clears throat> yeah, you, anytime you can go into Fenway as the Yankees, regardless of how good or bad the team is, if you could go into Fenway and pull off some big wins, that's going to leave everybody with a good feeling. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you got Boston that's kind of jockeying up and down. You know, they had the really rough start. Now they're like one of the better teams in baseball since whatever obscure date we're talking about. Um, well, yeah, but now they're but now they're, they're also just trying to avoid a sweep from the Blue Jays tonight. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, 
it, it, it'd be nice to see their hopes kind of crushed a little bit more and, and kind of remind them that they are a second-class team in the division. But, you know, who knows? Ooh, Alec talking spicy about the Sox. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're always going to scare me. I mean, that's just a team that yeah, kind of like Houston, like they know how to win even when the pieces don't seem as flashy. But as long as they got guys like J.D. and uh, Endeavors, you know, they're always going to be around. Not just that. I mean, now, granted, maybe a lot of this last year had to, had more to do with the Yankees underachieving than it did with the man himself. But the Red Sox, just looking at last year, Alex Corrin knows how to turn things around. He'll, like, go into a room and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. And somehow the entire team buys in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, he's he's – He's the, he's Aaron Boone. He's if we're going to switch over to hockey real quick. Gerard Gallant, uh, or I guess Gallant, um, like guys just play for him. And there's some that, there's something about being able to walk into a room and just immediately command respect. I mean Boone, especially given how he had no experience before taking the Yankees job. Yeah, yeah, and and just being able to handle all those kind of personas and some egos. Well, I think I think it also a lot of it has to do with the fact that Cora and Boone in particular, they're not that far removed from their playing careers themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean real, real real quick, how about Boone playing against uh, his uh future nephew in law when, when the A's were in town? Oh really? Yeah, I, uh, I missed that storyline. Oh yeah, the uh the end the uh, their infielder. Um Allen? I forget his first Oh, name. the shortstop, yeah. Yeah, or I think he played at second base a couple times. Yeah, he's engaged to uh, Brett Boone's daughter. Oh, nice. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Should, should be fun <laughs> at that wedding or at Thanksgiving uh, about taking sides. And the Boone clan grows even more. And by the year 2121, they're going to be just nothing but Boone ballplayers. Or right? Boone adjacent ballplayers. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but yeah, Cleveland, they're already swept the Bronx, have plenty of history with that team. Pirates, uh, look, they gave the Rays uh, some uh, some good games last weekend. Brian Reynolds had himself a game today. Jack Sawinski is probably the National League Rookie of the Year. But, yeah. Like, O'Neal Cruz is electric already. Oh, my God. I love O'Neal Cruz so much. <laughs> I, like, I'm so – I'm literally – oh, I muted myself by accident. Oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah. I, I am literally this close to trading for O'Neal Cruz in the show just because Isaiah Kiner Falepa is that bad of a hitter. <laughs> and I say that, and I've had like two four hit games with IKF too. But but like the Pirates, I'm actually looking forward to that series because, like we just said, they've got so much young talent. PNC looks amazing on TV, no matter who yeah. the Pirates are playing. And then Fenway. So, it, and not just that, we've been talking about prior to this ten game road trip. How okay, Yankees have. 13 games, six with the Rays, three with the Blue Jays, four with the Astros, nine and four, Alec. It wasn't it wasn't a pretty finish, but nine and four against probably the toughest stretch of the schedule right there. Yeah. I mean, I I more than happy. Like I'm ecstatic with that. It's just everyone shut up about how the Yankees don't play good competition because guess what? They went nine and freaking four. Yeah. Nine and four against some of the best teams in the American League. Miss me with your bullshit. Now, granted, like, I'm sure a lot of this has to do with the fact that the Jays have underachieved this year. Same with the Rays. Like, the Rays in particular have had lots of injury issues. And now Stuart Sternberg is getting sued again by minority ownership. 
<laughs> so, I, but yeah, you, you play who's in front of you. It doesn't matter how good or bad they are on a given day. The Yankees are waltzing in the games and winning the ones they're supposed to win. Something yeah. they didn't do at all last year. But, you, you know, I, even saying that they're the underachieving is not even good enough to use now for, for the other teams. Toronto's got a 568 winning percentage. That is literally third best in the entire American League. Is it really? Only the Yankees and the Astros wow. are ahead of them at 560 and, and at 568. Minnesota is fourth at 558. Or actually, no, Minnesota is at fifth at 558. And guess who's fourth? The, the Sox. Sox. Yeah. So. If you're, look, if you're looking at the top six winning percentages, four of them are in the AL East. I don't know about you, man. I've had calls or texts from Red Sox fan friends just pretty much saying the Red Sox are playing really well, but like the Yankees just keep winning. You know what, Bombers? Have a year. Like yeah. Red Sox fans are saying, hey, Yankees, have a year. Like they're already saying they're the better team this year. Well, good. I mean, we, I, I would say we deserve it considering how many times the Red Sox have just had a year. And go on to win the World Series. How, how many times have Red Sox fans, maybe this is just on mine, but you've probably heard something similar too. How many years did so many Red Sox fans say, oh, I don't dislike the Yankees anymore. I just pity them. Okay, well, what about right now? <laughs> yeah, well, all I see is just, oh, just wait till October. They're, they'll wait till October. Uh, one, uh, one championship in the last 20 years. It's funny how the tables turn. And it's like, yo. Okay, great. The, great. The curse is over. Like that. So yeah. the rivalry's dead. Okay, great. Let, let's yeah. move on. Seriously, look, I I just sat through however many months of watching the New York Rangers come two wins away from the Stanley Cup final. Nothing can hurt me right now. <laughs> Nothing can hurt me. I had my heart broken and thrown onto the floor when the Rangers curve, blew a two zero lead against. A few times. Curve stomped a few times after Tampa came back and beat them. I was happy to see Tampa lose in the Stanley Cup final, but nothing can hurt me with this Yankee team that hasn't hurt me already. And, also and it's a very, very liberating feeling. And also, just so, just, so, just for the record, one more thing on Hockey Talk. There are no Lightning fans. There are New York and Tri-State expats who live in the Tampa Bay area and just miss going to hockey games. This is true. Absolutely yeah. true. Real Lightning fans in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> just they come out of the woodwork and it's just like where have you, where were you for the last 15 years name yeah. three players on their last stanley cup winning team hey who's dave andrechuk yeah right yeah who do you know outside of Vinny lecavier and marty st louis what's that oh crickets okay <laughs> yeah. yeah all right I, I was there in 2004 watching them play against the calgary flames in the playoffs like come on i was so sad when jerome mcginlow lost game seven yeah, I remember watching Mika Kiprusov, and I was just like, I always love Kip- Kiprusov after Yeah, that. yeah, and I also love watching him get his ass owned in the uh, Vancouver Olympics by Team USA. True, true. Uh, back, to, back to baseball. Yeah, like this, this might be a short episode, folks, because like, the Yankees are rolling, and what else is there to talk about? I will say this about the Oakland series, just for just to see the team like not lose its fight, even after they were clearly very tired from the Astros, just down... 5-1, and then down 3 nothing again today. Oh, look, two big comeback wins. Yeah, and, you know, a thought occurred to me. Um, I, I was trying to figure out, like, what kind of makes this team a little 
different from the past teams just in terms of hitting approach because like obviously the Yankees still very much rely on the long ball it's been a crucial part of all their comebacks uh I'm gonna stop you right there I don't I'm not sure if it's so much relying on the long ball like the Astros like the Astros rely on the long ball like let's just establish that we saw that like in the Yankee series okay they strung a few base hits together but most of their damage came from the home run the Yankees right now, compared to last year, I don't know if they go up looking for a home run. They look, they go up looking to get on base, and oh, it's a home run ball that's there. And and and, and I think that's where I was getting to. It was like it seemed like in the previous years, everyone was looking for the home run ball. Mm-hmm. Like they wanted to beat a team ten nothing and hit ten solo home runs. But if you look at like you know the events of today or even yesterday, it's like you get a few like an innings starts off innocently enough, and then boom. Like there's, there's the judge home run. There's the Stanton home run. Like, and all that gets set up just from the guys, you know, competing in their at bats and getting on base before the judges, the stands, the Rizzo's. And I think that was probably the biggest difference that I was thinking about. Um, uh, I will say, you know, I, I didn't tell anyone this. I didn't tell you guys this as I was watching the game today after that Stanton strikeout in the first inning, I was like, Oh, he's going to get him next time. Yeah. Like he's going to get him his next at bat. And sure enough, was it three run home run? Three run home run to the opposite way. I mean, Stan's been having a really bad June, but I'll, just from in the last week or so, he's seeing the ball a lot better right now. His last six base hits have all been home runs. Yeah, I was like he's he's just on those Stantonian runs where everything yeah. he touches is a home run, and it's really good for my fantasy team. Yes, um, it is. So, oh, he's at nineteen home runs right now. He's hitting two forty four. Yeah, I mean. And then, like, once he starts hitting just home runs, then he the home runs stay, but then he eventually levels out his swing, and he's kind of using the whole field like he like he usually does. Yeah, and then, you know, kind of watching him swing today, it doesn't really look like it was anything wrong with the swing. It just looked more timing wise. Like, you know, the fastball was beating him a little bit. Uh, I think it was Michael Kay who said like it didn't seem like he was seeing the ball well out of Irvin's hand, Irving's mm-hmm. hand. Um, but yeah, like his timing is just the, that's the one thing that looks off. Like he, his swing itself looks good. Uh, speaking of swings, and we'll, we'll pivot back to this in a second. Before the, before we hit record, we had a very brief conversation about Joey Gallo and uh, how he's in a word awful. Um, Aaron Boone kind of half and indirectly admitted today that Gallo is kind of having a hard time with the struggles. He's kind of starting to weigh on him personally. Look, he's not going to be on the team next year come hell or high water. His contract's expiring. He was fine in the moment last year when the team acquired him. Now, like, the team doesn't really need him. Stop me if I'm crazy here, Alec. Why not just put Marwin Gonzalez in right field every now and again? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think, you know, this is never going to happen. But, I mean, either call up Andujar, call up Floreal, like, get someone else. If it, if it is Marwin, cool. Um, I don't know if I trust Marwin with everyday at-bats, but, I like, you know, yeah. like Gall- I, I, I Gall- seem to remember in the in the first Red Sox series, like, o- like opening series of the season, uh, Michael Kay mentioned this. He said Alex Cora had nothing but good things to say about Marwin Gonzalez. He's like, I'm sad he's on the Yankees because he's going to beat us now. But like when he was in in Boston, he was good, but he was he was hurt all the time. Mm-hmm. When he's healthy, he he's a beast. He's hitting over all three of his home runs have come this month. 
two-thirds of his RBIs have. He's seeing the ball really well. He's a switch hitter. And, yeah, Gallo's got that big lefty bat with a lot of power, but Marwin Gonzalez, you know, is going to put the ball in play more often and not just be like a strikeout or a walk waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah. And and that's exactly what you kind of need for that low in the lineup bat. Because, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. Gallo doesn't provide anything. I mean – like what's even his expecting batting average right now? Not good. I was I was gonna pull up. Um, I want to pull up like where his zone hitting because I mean, we we talk about so as as hitting coaches we always talk about kind of um, launch angles, like where's the hole in the swings, and as everyone probably knows about the the brawl that happened in L.A where Trout, I think I think it got started, or it rankled uh, the Angels when Trout got buzzed up and in. And mm-hmm. I was watching the Angels game or highlights yesterday, and Trout got buzzed up and in again. And everyone is kind of, like, crying foul on, like, throwing up near Trout's head. But guess what? Like, Trout does not hit an, a high pitch or an inside pitch well. We so, talked just about that last week. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, so you – we're like, if – you're going to pitch to him. That's the one place you got to pitch. And it's like, if you're going to go up and in, like, yeah, one might get away. And obviously you don't want to see trout get hit in the head. No one wants to see that. No. It's terrible for the game of baseball. Like, but, like I mean, uh, Unless your name is Pedro Martinez, no pitcher is ever trying to hit a guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, but like, sorry, pitchers got to compete out there. They can't, they're going to not going to let trout get, you know, get them. So they're going to throw up and in. And so and, and tying this all back into Joey Gallo, like Joey Gallo can't hit a fastball at the letters to save his damn life. I feel like he can't hit a fastball at all to save his life at this point. Oh yeah. Well, I mean like, you know, it's, he, he, he cheats on, on stuff that are, that's in and hard. He, he, he cheats on that inside fastball. Mm-hmm. So he's now susceptible to the backdoor slider where he's just flailing at it. And then once he starts thinking, oh, I might get a breaking pitch here, boom, there's upper 90s in the upper part of the zone. And, like, all like all of Gallo's hits, you know, he – I'm looking at, like, this chart right now. Like, the dude does not hit anything straight and hard. Everything has got to be too much at an angle. Look, I don't want to take anything away from Joey Gallo. The guy is clearly a very good baseball player, better, certainly better at hitting a baseball than I am. <laughs> I – and yeah, he's accomplished a lot of things in the game, but he's batting what like 168 right now. And he said like, "Oh, like I, I can't. I, this is just who I've always been. I've been like I've always been a three-true outcome hitter. I like I like I just don't make adjustments to the swing." To me, like to quote what Don Lagreca said, Don Lagreca said that just about Gallo's numbers. I'm going to say this: he's not a professional hitter. He just isn't. He, like, he, like, he, he either – I'm sorry, what were you saying? He's a, he's a one-trick pony. It's, it, and, it, and even that one trick is not working anymore. I, don't, I just don't understand what it is, like, about his hitter's brain that makes him so incapable of making this, this small adjustment. We see Anthony Rizzo do it all the time. Two strikes, choke up on the bat. We, Aaron Hicks, he's doing that now. And, he, and he's like – again, they're not the prettiest results, but he's getting results. Yeah. Joey Gallo has literally no excuse. I'm looking at Gallo's, like, uh, on Baseball Savant, his um, kind of zone charts, and I'm looking at his uh, strikeout percentage. On an up-and-in pitch, he's striking out 50% of the time. On an up-and-middle pitch, he's striking out 64.7% of the time. 
And on a pitch high and away, he's striking out 75% of the time. The like, And er there's a lot of red on here, which is not good. He's striking out 33% of the time on low yeah. and in, for almost 40% low and away. Like, you look at the strikeout percentage, you look at the batting average per zone, the only pitches that he apparently hits well are middle in and middle out. But then, like, on – he does not have a single hit on a pitch that's up and in or like up and away. He's hitting 0 59 on a pitch that's middle in letter high. And then he's hitting no more than 235 on any pitch that is down in the zone. The dude is not hitting anything. I really don't mean to get all Uncle Junior about this, but he doesn't have the makings of a professional athlete. He really doesn't. Look, like, maybe the ballpark in Arlington just has that effect because they probably because perhaps it's Texas. They probably play with the roof closed in the in the summertime a bunch just because it's hot as balls down there. So maybe playing in like that contained environment really benefited him. But I don't know. Like the the Yankees, I'm sure will find a taker for him. If if I'm Brian Cashman, I'm saying to like all the teams, I will take two A level bullpen arms and a gift card to Wendy's for Joey Gallo. <laughs> Like that's yeah. my asking price. Yeah, um, I, I don't even know if you're going to get an A-level bullpen arm for him. I don't even know if you should ask for. I would say, hey, give me a B-level bullpen arm. Well, Matt Blake. Oh, no, I, no, I meant I meant uh, levels of the minor leagues. Oh, 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 oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. In that case, like, yeah, give me, yeah. give me someone I like. You know, Matt Blake can get his hands on like. The Yankees have the means to function without Joey Gallo. The fact that the team is winning so much despite Joey Gallo is proof that this team does not need him. The trading deadline, it's a month from Saturday. So you got to figure Cashman is either working the phones or, I don't know, maybe if, if it continues, just cut your losses in DFM. He's not making that much money that you can't just eat the money. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the worst thing the Yankees can do in that situation is just do nothing. Like, and whether that's yeah. just trade him away for a bucket of balls or DFA him, like, you, you can't roll him out there every other day. Like, you know, he can't be taking up either a corner outfield spot or your DH spot. You like, want to put him in as a leading defensive replacement? By all means do. He's got two gold gloves. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you can do that. But, I mean, hell, I'd rather – Again, I know this isn't going to happen, but I'd rather just call Andujar up or Floreal and just say, hey, go, play, show us what you got. Yeah, that's exactly what you want to do. So, Oh, but uh, hey, what's the record? 56 and 20 right now. Stupid. That's <laughs> stupid good. That is, yeah. So, I mean, there's no rush. Like there's no got, got a month to do it. And I already and some people are gonna say, oh well Aaron, well, Aaron Hicks, like it's the same thing. Yeah, but the difference is the Yankees Donald Greco said this, the Yankees have money invested in Aaron Hicks. They owe it to themselves to at least try. Yeah. And, and okay, yeah, like if, if he's gonna bat, let's say two thirty-five, between two twenty-five and two forty, with a couple of scratch base hits here and there, but otherwise draw a lot of walks. I, I don't like it, but I could learn to live with it. Yeah, I mean, for the money, it's not good enough. But for the way this team is constructed, sure, give me give me two forty with, you know, 
walks, more walks and strikeouts. The fact that he's the fact that he stopped swinging from his ass and now actually just freezes up right as the ball is being released. That's big step forward for him. Yeah, yeah. like because like, unlike Joey Gallo, he listened to the hitting coach. What's Aaron Hicks hitting right now? Oh, uh, like I think today, like two twenty eight. Uh, 218. 218? Yeah. All right. Look, it's it's not the best result. We now know we already talked about, I think, when we either had James back on the show for his farewell or with Max Goodman, juice balls really benefited him. Same with DJ LeMahieu, I think. But now the difference is DJ LeMahieu is learning how to compensate for the unjuiced ball. He's sort of learning what makes him a good hitter again. Aaron Hicks, he's trying to get like that grippy energy he had with that uh, – with that home run against the Astros. Yeah, I, that was a pimp job too on that home oh run. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was that was cold. That was ice cold. Uh, uh a f- funny story actually about this. So my, my friend and I, we were we saw Nick Kroll in Westchester that night, got out of the show. I think it was uh like still the eighth inning, or like about <laughs> to be the eighth inning. Uh the Yankees were down six three. We got on the train as the ninth inning was starting. And mm. the conductor, after taking our tickets, saw us watching the game on our on like my friend's phone. Kept coming back, checking in, like, okay, okay, what what's happening right now? <laughs> all right, all right, what, what Hicks do? Oh, how many outs? How many outs? Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, true. Only in New York moment. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like other than that, uh, same uh, same week, different results, and the Yankees are still in first place. Yeah, we got, yeah, got to be happy, and maybe. Uh, this time next week, whenever, uh, if I decide to do a show next week ap- after crashing from vacation, maybe <laughs> I'll have something to complain about. But uh, yeah, other than that, I, uh, yeah, we covered everything. Did, it, did uh, we miss anything else? No, I think, I think that was it. All right, folks. Well, in that case, thanks for listening, as always, to uh, Leave Your Creatures. Oh, let's talk about J.P. Sears real fast. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's, I don't know what it is about this guy. I don't know whether he's going to be a trade chip or he's going to be uh in the rotation next year because like of a of a either an expiring contract or a trade but i don't know man for a sinker baller who doesn't have a lot of major league experience just the confidence and watching him take the mound and just like dare hitters to hit that high sinker yeah i I don't know what you do with this kid man but oh god i I could watch him pitch for days He's he's kind of that old school crafty lefty, and he just kind of like thinks his way through throughouts. Um, again, but like like that's the kind of guy you exa- exactly need when you think that a guy like Montgomery or Cortez are getting a little tired, or, or I'm sorry, not Montgomery, uh, Tyone or Cortez are getting a little bit tired, and you just need to like throw an arm out there for an extra day, like yeah. That's perfect. That like it's guys like him why I think that the Yankees don't need to go after another pitcher. Like if you're looking at like the big pieces that are out there, like I'm personally a pretty big fan of Luis Castillo on the Reds, but I don't sit there and say that the Yankees like postseason depends on getting him. I I'm gonna say something I've said about the Yankees and acquiring a pitcher via trade for the past couple of years. And I I think I even said this um before they acquired Jamison Tyone. I, if you're going to talk about trading minor league pieces, especially at this point for a pitcher, you better hope you're getting something big, big back. I'm talking, I, I want prime Noah Syndergaard or Jacob DeGrom, but with years of uh, control attached. 
Yeah. I want someone who is, yeah, has a hired gun, but who, you know, like, no, Matt Blake is like, no, that's my guy. That is yeah. my guy. Like 1995, you said, okay, we need David Cohn. Yeah. All right. All right. He, he arrives, goes seven and two in the second half of the season. And sure enough, win three rings with us. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry, four. Yeah, wins four rings as a Yankee. Mm-hmm. So it, you can make a trade, but should you make a trade? I, and like you said, Yankees don't need to make a pitching trade. No. Not right now. No. No. I, I don't even think they need to make a hitting trade. Because like, yeah, like you could trade Gallo. Okay, but what, like, what are you going to get for him? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think maybe one more bat off the bench would help. Um, or a bullpen arm. Bullpen yeah, I, I think I, I I think bullpen and probably bat off the bench is going to be the yeah. most important ones. Um, personally, I would like to see them go after a guy like Christian Walker uh, as a power hitting first baseman, just in the like in case a you know like Glaber goes down for an extended period of time or or Donaldson like. I think we've been pretty lucky with Donaldson's health so far, but say he got hurt and then you got to put DJ at third for a lot. And then like, it'd be good to have a guy to platoon with, you know, Rizzo. So you're not burning out Rizzo. Yeah. But at the same time, even in a platoon, who's to say Christian Walker just isn't right-handed Joey Gallo. Oh, I, well, I say. All right. Okay. If, if, if you look at his metrics, uh, Joe, um, Christian Walker is the like top three most unlucky hitter in baseball. All right. His expecting batting average is 277. He's hitting 208. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. That, that burned by Babbitt. You hate to say it. Yeah. He's, he's top, top of the charts in exit below barrel. Like, well, also with what, with what we've heard about just general rumblings from around, from around the league about how, how like in Arizona, yeah, people like Tori Lavulo. They don't really like his staff, it sounds like. Yeah. So maybe Dylan Lawson can just say, hey, Christian, can you come in here and hit strikes hard? Christian will probably say, hell yeah, I can hit strikes hard. Oh, yeah. So, uh, all right, maybe. But like, like a bat like that where the guy doesn't have to be the guy, like that's why I was kind of like a little hesitant to say go get a guy like Wilson Contreras. It's we like, don't need – the Yankees don't need Wilson Contreras. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. with Jose Trevino slumping the way he is and Kyle Higashioka proving a spring training all-star – they, they don't need Wilson Contreras. They just don't. Yeah, I agree. So I'm, I'm taking a look at Walker's contract just for the, uh, just for the uh, he's, argument. He's a um, two years of arbitration left. Yeah, yeah. And he's oh, and he's already 31, almost 32. Yeah, hmm. yeah he he came onto the scene late, but yeah. uh, you know, again, that's that's a guy who, you know, his payday isn't going to be anything crazy. No. Certainly he's not even making $3 million this year. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we'll have it. We'll have to discuss that more as the trade deadline draws closer. But other than that, I mean, Joey Gallo for a bullpen arm just to help spell the Chad Green loss. That'd be fantastic. But then again, Jonathan Malazga is coming back soon. Yeah. 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 It's like, what sucks is like, you're probably going to see a guy like a uh, Marinaccio go down and you got to take your cap to Marinaccio. He's figured out how to get big, like big league hitters out. Yeah, yeah, he, he really trusts that changeup. So, no, there's nothing better than a, a right-handed changeup. Hmm. That is very true. Just, <laughs> God, just watching it fade away and dunk down, it's 
Yep. It's like pitching ballet. All right, folks. But uh, in the meantime, that has been Bleacher Creatures. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, you should know both our socials by now, Josh B-E-S-N-Y and Alec underscore Monte Calvo. Um, but yeah, enjoy your trip, man. That's gonna I be will. Yeah. I'll be, uh, I'll be watching the games either on my laptop the whole time because you know, before we go, I found out recently that my cable package covers Nesson, apparently. Really? Down, down here in New York City, I'm getting Nesson, and it's not like one of those random sports channels either. It's like, no, no, it's, it's here amongst the lineup. Who's, like, who's your provider? Bios. Really? Yeah. Huh. That is weird. Yeah. What? Xfinity dropped. Xfinity didn't drop yesterday. I, I don't think so. No. I think I think they dropped MSG, which had people up in arms. That did, yeah. But, All right. Well, anyway, that's that's a conversation for that's a conversation all, another all another all time. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening to Bleacher Creatures, folks. We will. Uh, uh, I'll be here next week. Uh, Alec will be on vacation. Uh, yeah. See you then. See ya.